This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. I'm here today to teach you how to make more money with your existing mobile home park. Obviously, if you can buy more and more parks, there's opportunities to make more money, but sometimes it's challenging to find the new park. And regardless of that, it's better to just start with improving the operations and improving the profitability at your existing park. At my company, we obsess on the profit. We don't really care as much about what the top line of gross revenue looks like. We care about the bottom line profitability. And the top line grows indirectly when you're focused on profit. So really, real quick, I want to jump into the formula, if you will, for profit. First, you start with your prospects or your leads, and you multiply that times your conversion rate. That gives you your customers. Customers times price times frequency times your profitability margin, that equals your profit. That's how much money you put in your pocket. That's how much money you can use to put your kids through school, buy that new car, invest in that next asset. Got to keep a continual focus on profit. So today I'm going to tell you 12 ways to make your mobile home park more profitable. Number one, increase the rent. That's pretty obvious part of the game. You got to do that within reason to be reasonable to your tenants, but also just strategically to not uh, scare people away. But do a regular annual rent increase. Number two is water sewer bill back. If you're currently paying the water and sewer, you need to find a way to bill the water back. Generally, this is done by submetering and measuring it on a monthly basis and billing it back to the tenants. You got to be careful here to follow all your your local and state laws, but that's it's a great way to increase profitability. Number three, screen your tenants better. I, I know some people out there that they just say, oh, I, I do the eyeball test. I'm a real good judge of character. That's a bad idea. We use a company called Landlord Tenant Services. It takes a little longer than the automatic you know, credit check, but they do a great job. They call not just the current landlord, but the prior two and three landlords. They call the employer. They verify income, et cetera, because it's, it's a lot better to not let in the bad tenant than and, you know, miss out on a you know, security deposit or miss out on a first month's rent than to let in the wrong tenant and later have to deal with collection issues and eviction issues. Number four, advertise better, not necessarily more expensively, but advertise better than the competition. Facebook Marketplace is a great resource for this. Have a Facebook page, have a website, get stuff on Craigslist, MH Bay, other sources out there, but be aggressive on your ads and be responsive. Tenants love responsiveness. Most people don't call anymore. They text or they Facebook message. Number five, fill vacant lots. This is one of the best ways to increase profitability. A vacant lot is worth zero. It's actually worth less than zero because you got to mow the grass. Filling that lot is an easy way. It's not easy, but it's an easy way to increase profitability from a formulaic standpoint. There's a lot of work involved, but filling vacant lots is one of my main strategies on any, on any mobile home park project I tackle. Number six, collect late fees. I see lots of people that they have late fees that provisions their lease and they don't collect them. They train their tenants to not pay on time. I, I don't want to make money in late fees, frankly. I tell my tenants, 
I hope I make zero dollars in late fees. But if you're late, it's going to hurt. We typically, you know, check your state maximums. We typically have something like, you know, free for, through the fifth of the month. There's a grace period on the sixth. It's fifty bucks, and then every day it's another ten dollars. That could, you know, in one month that's three hundred dollars late fees. That's more than the lot rent in some of my parks. It's designed to get people to pay on time, train them to pay on time. It's also not fair to not charge late fees and let people pay, you know, two and three and five weeks late when somebody next door is paying on time. That's not fair to them. Number seven, charge pet fees. You want to verify with your, with your insurance company that you can actually have pets and certain breeds of pets, but you can charge pet fees. Nobody's getting rid of FIDO for $20 a month. Um, we have a non-refundable security deposit on the park-owned homes, and we charge a pet rent, pet rent anywhere from $20 to $40 a month. If you have amenities like a dog park, it's easier to do that, but pet fees are pretty common in the apartment world, so you can also put it on, put those into the, the uh, formula here for the MHP world. Number eight, this is one of my favorites, is add sheds. I love having sheds in my park for a couple reasons. One, it makes an extra 25 to 35 bucks a month. Two, it gets the junk out of the yard into the shed. If somebody's got a shed, there's no reason to have nine bicycles laying up against the trailer, okay? Um, and the third reason I love sheds is your lenders will generally count that as land rent, which means you can capitalize it when you do your cash out refinance, or when you do your ultimate sale, it's going to add real value. You got a $25 shed. I mean, just doing basic math here, 25 times 12 months times 0. 0.7, 210 divided by an eight cap, it's another $2,600. You buy a shed at $750, you immediately increase your valuation 2600 that's if I used a 30% expense ratio, which is how I got the 0.7. Realistically, that doesn't cost me more to have sheds. So it should be 25 times 25 times 12 months divided by an 8 cap, 3750 bucks. Put a shed on every lot. Okay, number nine, tax protest. Now this one's going to be a gamble, so sometimes you don't want to, you know, you want to keep your head down and not piss off the tax assessor. But there's an opportunity to appeal your taxes. Um... Another portion of taxes, it's not really park-specific, but income taxes, you can do things like cost segregation studies, bonus depreciation. You can be a real estate professional. I'll cover these items in another episode. But uh, pay as little taxes as you're legally required to do. Number 10, this was a new one for me in the last couple of years. Sell the tires and the axles underneath your mobile homes. Once you bring a new home in, you don't you don't want that home to ever go away anyway. You have no need, typically, to have the tires, have the axles. Well, the guys that move mobile homes for a living, they love getting those, especially if they're brand new. You may be able to get, you know, 20, 25 bucks a tire, and, you know, there's different, either a brake axle or a regular axle. Anywhere, it depends, it depends on your region and who you go with, but you could get 35 to $60 per axle. Sometimes, more, sometimes even more than that, actually. Um, I, I had a deal here in Missouri where I brought in a lot of homes in one year, I had about $15,000. None of it was in my budget because I didn't know about this at the time. One of these guys called me. I got about $15,000 of tires and axles sitting underneath the homes. Took one day. Crew guys came, pulled them out. They even pulled them out themselves. Pulled them out, put them in the truck, and gave me $15,000 cash. That's good for your budget. Your investors, if you're syndicated, will love you. if You can bring some, some short-term cash like that as well. Number 11, Mow people's grass for a fee. Typically in our parks, we require each resident to mow their own lot. Some of them, you know, if they're like an elderly lady or they're handicapped, we'll just we'll, we'll mow it. We'll just say it's part of the deal. We'll mow your grass for free. But for the most part, we, if people want us to mow their grass, we charge them. And we charge, hey, it's 20 bucks a mow. And I say, I don't really want to mow your grass, but if you, if you want me to, I'll, I'll do it. So someone will charge you for it. You know, frankly, they could get a neighbor kid to do it for cheaper. But then I get to have more control as well, and I can make the park look better. 
And then number 12, um, kind of dovetails with mowing, is you can give people fines or fees. So when I'm talking to number 11 about mowing, I'm talking about people who voluntarily in advance ask us to mow every every you know, week or 10 days whenever we mow the rest of the park, mow the common areas. But number 12 is actually forced mow. Where I put, a, I put a notice on your door. We put notice violations out on Fridays with red paper, kind of like the pink slip. You know, we say, mow, 50 bucks if you don't do it in 48 hours, which is allowed in our lease. And then if they don't mow in 48 hours, we force mow it. And we charge them 50, which is steep. And I sell them, I don't want to mow your grass. I want the park to look nice. So you gotta you got to be somewhat reasonable on these things. And you got to make sure you're following all your local laws. But like my template lease has, I don't even know how many, 50 different fines. You know, if you fart, I'm fining you $50. I mean, you know, your skirting's, your skirting's cracked. You got holes in your skirting. You got uh, paint chips. You got trash in your yard. Now, I'll tell you from a business owner perspective, practically, I don't I don't actually want to collect any fines. I just use it as more of a muscle. They're like, look, I'm trying to make this a better community for you, for your neighbors, for all of us. So let's just follow the rules. Let's just keep this place cleaned up. But... You know, there are fines. Every month there are actual fines because people, some people need to learn the hard way. So I might as well, you know, you know get some money for putting up with the brain damage and putting up with having to uh, have, you know, detrimental aesthetics in my park for the moment. So anyway, those are the 12 ways to make your park more profitable. And again, we constantly have to focus on profitability. The more profit you have, the better, you, the more money you'll have also to reinvest in your community, capital expenditures, reserves, you know, find the next deal, etc. If you're driving right now or you didn't take notes, you can go find these 12 ways to make more money in the show notes for this episode. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.